back with you another edition of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Trent Condon joined today by LaShawn Daniels. We'll get LaShawn's thoughts on what we saw on Saturday and the disappointing uh, offensive effort as Iowa gets the 7-3 win against South Dakota State. Kirk Ferris talked to the media today. The players talked to the media and some interesting nuggets coming out of that. And of course, it is hate week. Cyhawk week is here. We talk about the rivalry with the Cyclones. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Trent Cotton here, LaShawn Daniels over there. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts, and you can also check us up on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Hawkeyes and give us a subscribe. I'll click over there as we approach the 1,000 mark. I put the goal to get it by the Michigan game, LaShawn. If we continue at this pace and you know, if the Iowa offense struggles like this, I think we're going to have a lot of watchers and a lot of listeners. Boy, uh, what a frustrating weekend it was watching that one. 7-3 and no, not on a touchdown. Two safeties and a field goal. How you feeling? Uh, probably the same way everyone's kind of feeling right now. Uh, not the greatest, but we did come out with the win which is better than than a loss. So that is like the one good part of it, right? And, you know, defensively and special teams-wise, we were fantastic. So those are some good things. But outside of that, yeah, not not the best. You know, it's going back to the offseason, our conversations with LaShawn leading in to the season, we talked about the quarterback position. And – the part that, well, there's a lot of frustrating parts, I think, as you know, and, and I think our listeners know. But one thing that does get very frustrating to me is we heard it was going to be an open competition, right? That there was going to be a competition. But it never played out in that fashion. From spring football to summer to the offseason to August camp, we all could read between the lines that Spencer Petrus was going to win this job. That this was not an open competition. And it's just so surprising to me. And this goes back to... Even two years ago, before 2020, when he was basically handed the starter, that's not how things are done in Iowa football. You know this incredibly well. You played it. You're not just handed things. And now for the third year in a row, it feels like Spencer Petras was just handed this job. I, that's something that I really struggle to wrap my mind around, how it's played out in this fashion. Yeah, it, I tend to agree with you a bunch um, of what you just mentioned because – like the situation that we're in right now, quarterback wise, I mean, it's it's got to be one of the worst, if not the worst, in college football right now. And to essentially just hand the job over to a guy who, again, I've never met Spencer in person, right? So I can't speak on his character or anything like that. But what I've gotten is that, yeah, he's a great guy, you know, does everything right in the building and all that. Like teammates love him. Um, which is which is great and fantastic, right? And Coach Ferentz always says that he practices well, right? It's like that's that's where everything's kind of starts, right? You can't earn the starting job, right, if you don't practice well. Um, but all that said, like at some point, it's got to come down to like the play on the football field on Saturdays, right? Because like if I'm 
practicing, you know, great. I look like, you know, a Hall of Famer in practice, but I go out there and, you know, I can't do some of the most basic fundamental things that my position, positional spot asks for. Like, like I'm hurting my team being out there. And, you know, obviously, like, as a, as a coach and, I mean, as a competitor and as a player, like, Spencer's never going to, sit out and just be like, yeah, like, I'm not going to play. Um, you should start at the other guy, right? This is, These decisions ultimately come down to the coaches um, right now. And I feel like just right now, their their choices right now, just it, it, it isn't really benefiting the team at this point in time. And, you know, I haven't been in the building, right? So it's hard for me to kind of speak on it. I've been in the building before, but right now I'm an outsider, right? I'm a former player kind of just looking, on, looking in, but like right now, it's it's tough to see see their vision and and kind of how they want to move forward, like with the situation we have now. Now, this is not all on Spencer Petras. There's plenty of blame to go around. He had his struggles, mm-hmm. and, and struggles that continue to feel like they compound themselves. It's not just a struggle because he's not real athletic. He can't move outside the pocket. It's missing open receivers. It's guys that are wide open, easy throws. I mean, these are these are these are junior high level throws, and he's just missing. And he's doing it with lazy mechanics. That, that's the Tony Rassiopi, his quarterback coach. I mean, get rid of that guy. That, that guy. I think he's the one that talks about. All right, we got a dovetail left, uh, a, a drop step right. We're do- no, you're throwing the football. It's a slant. I mean, there, there's too much. It feels like going on in the mind of Spencer Petras, where he's overthinking every single thing, lazy mechanically, throwing off the back foot. He's not confident, and that confidence, I think, is shattered. You can blame the fans for booing. I, I, I think that hurt, would hurt anybody's confidence. Brian Ferentz and the play calling, the offensive line is bad. And that's I do want to go there next with you, LaShawn, because you know offensive line and how important it is that I went in the scheme to have that line. What did you see up front? They were substituting a bunch of different guys, guys playing new positions that they hadn't before. Mason Richmond hadn't had a chance to practice a whole lot leading into the game as he's coming off an injury. Uh, what are you up front and, and maybe some of the reasons that Spencer Petras did struggle? Yeah, um, it's kind of some of the same stuff that, you know, Spencer has been struggling with, right? I mean, a lot of fundamental work is just, it's poor. It's, it's not up to the standard that, you know, what's been in the past and what, you know, I know for a fact that these guys are capable of, right? Like, we're at a point, like, right now, um, you know, on Saturday where we couldn't run, um, you know, just, again, me looking at watching it from the TV view, right, it looked like we couldn't even run, you know, our base offense. We couldn't run, you know, some of our most basic plays without, um, you know, having something go wrong. Right. Like, obviously, there's going to be times in a football game, especially playing Division one football, where, you know, you just lose. You just lose against a, uh, against a club, another player. Right. I mean, those guys, they practice, too. They're on scholarship. They're all all these different things. Right. So obviously they're trying to compete. They're trying to win reps. But there are times where it's like they're not even like the defenders, like the D line and linebackers, like they weren't even doing anything you know, spectacular, um, you know, getting around blocks or beating blocks, right? It was just, you know, bad fundamentals, um, you know, not keeping a good base, nope, not having good punch, um, all those different things. And, yeah, I get it. Like, a lot of our, our offensive line, again, it's young, right? I mean, right now our center is a guy who was a defensive lineman, right, who made the switch um, 
to, to offense, right? So I see there's going to be an adjustment there. Um, but like right now, just fundamentally, I just feel like in general, um, from pretty much everywhere, kind of on the offensive side of football, right? I just feel like fundamentally, like the things just that aren't there, they're not um, there to the level that it's been in, in the past. When even when, when I was in school, right? Like we didn't have you know, the most spectacular offenses, right, in the Big Ten, right? I mean, everyone everyone knows that. We, we all saw it. Um, but, I mean, like, it wasn't ever really a discussion, like, of, you know, are these guys going to be able to score a touchdown in the game, right, or are they going to be able to move the football, right? Like, we, like those are things that we were able to do, um, even if it wasn't consistently, like, we were able to move the football um, and at least put up points on the board on, on Saturdays um, because we had solid fundamentals. Now, if you want to talk about talent and ability, right, that's a whole other discussion. Um, but right now, I feel like the guys, like, at least um, some positions, like, we're not necessarily lacking, lacking talent right now, at least up front, right? Like, right now, it's just, like, I can't even judge the talent because the fundamentals are all over the place, and it's not producing really at the level that um, – you know, offensive lines have produced in the past. So that's something that's got to get fixed, you know, regardless what happens at the quarterback spot um, and the rest of the skill positions, right? Like if we can't block consistently um, up front and run some of our base offense stuff, like the rest of the stuff is going to matter because uh, it was whoever back there is going to be running for their life, whether they're passing the football or handing the ball off. So. All right, LaShawn, uh, with that, what other on the offensive line? And – Obviously, you watch a lot of center play. You mentioned Logan Jones out there with your little brother, James, and what he's done and what a technician he is. Now, that's one thing in the aspect that I know a guy that knows offensive line pretty well, and he mentioned to me, you know, technically, that's the thing that makes him most concerned. It's not that they're getting beat or they're young. There's a lot of aspects technically that are off. And one thing that jumps to mind, somebody like myself that doesn't know offensive line well, is Logan Jones, it felt like, the, the snap count was a little bit off. He was slow snapping the ball, something there. I mean, there had to be four, five, six times throughout the course of the, the game where it looked like something was just, just funky with the snap. Any insight into what that possibly could have been? Is, is it is that maybe he was just a half tick slow getting the snap back there? My guess is, yeah, he's just a little bit slow getting it back there because, again, like center, I mean – like, if you think about it, it, it's the easiest offensive line, but it's also the hardest spot, right? Like, you really have to be consistent in your snaps every single time, um, right? And then after you snap the football, right, you got to go and um, block someone who's trying to, right, get by you and make a play and all those different things, right? And when you're making that transition from defensive line, um, you know, when you're not used to hearing a cadence, right, and all the noises and stuff that's going on, like, during the stadium, like, in the game, um, and now when you're making that switch over to the offense side of the ball, now you're actually the guy that's snapping the football. Um, you can be a little bit slow um, to adjust to, you know, getting used to that cadence, getting used to hearing the crowd, getting used to hearing, you know, adjustments come from, you know, the quarterback or, you know, the line talking and making adjustments on the fly, um, you know, right before the snap count. Um, so that that is a little adjustment that it kind of takes for for centers, right? Especially for for young centers, right? I mean, um, I'm sure if you watch a bunch of young centers, you know, throughout you know Saturdays, I'm sure that some of those guys they're going to be a little bit slower with the snaps um, and things of that nature. But that said, I'm not 
too worried about that part of the game because that's something that's going to get fixed, right? I mean, they, they everyone, we, we all saw it, right? I mean, they're, he's going to get used to hearing the cadence going on. He's going to get used to getting that ball out much quicker um, on time so he's in sync with the rest of the offensive linemen. So that part I'm not too worried about um, for now. But the fundamentals piece of it, that's something that's really has to start obviously getting hit home because, again, He's a he's a he's a switch. He was an offensive lineman. He came in right. He's plays playing defense. Um, it's a lot different, um, you know, feeding blocks and defeating blocks than it is to actually block that guy and keep him from making the play and actually driving and moving your feet and making sure that you know the quarterback or the running back has space to, to maneuver. So that's the part of the offensive line that I'm a little bit more focused on um, at the moment, and I know that. I was especially early on in the season. They'll do a lot of rotating with the line um, to to really find their guys. But sometimes I, I just wish that they just kind of kept one kind of core group together, let them gel, let them mesh, and and work and really develop that chemistry. So um, you know they actually look smoother. Um, you know, come on Saturdays versus you know play musical chairs with guys in and out. So saw plenty of that. That's LaShawn Daniels. I'm Trent Cotton, locked on to Hawkeyes here. We're going to continue the conversation in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about quarterbacks and a quarterback and what it was like when LaShawn was playing and they went through that. This episode today brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. It's easy to play. You can win hard cash on every single day game and underdog has investment backing from big names adam schefter mark cuban kevin durant and a whole lot more a great customer support team top notch the best in the business again we're looking at our friends at underdog fantasy a different way to play here throughout this football season and excited to get involved with underdog fantasy coming up how about this right now use the promo code locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars deposit a hundred dollars you'll get a hundred dollars free go to underdogfantasy.com or find the fantasy underdog fantasy app in the app store right now or the google play store again that promo code is locked on the place to go for fantasy sports all right lashana mentioned you went through this before a quarterback change and who knows if it's going to happen. The depth chart was released yesterday. It was still Spencer Petras listed on top. But you were there during the Rudock into C.J. Brethard transformation at the end of 2014. That ugly bowl loss to Tennessee. And, boy, a lot of things wrong that day uh, down in Florida. But, of course, he's bounced back. And then 2015, a historic season, 12-0 in the regular season. But it took... Maybe a little pushing, a little plotting from C.J. Beathard to get to that point, saying, look, he's he's out of here if this doesn't happen. But you had a really talented backup. And I think the difference here, that Jake Christensen and Ricky Stanzi, that's before your time, Ricky Stanzi, though, an Ohio guy, him taking over for Christensen. These are guys that ended up playing in the NFL. Alex Padilla, probably not to play in the NFL, right? There's not a, a waiting backup that is that easy turn. Maybe that's what makes this more difficult, but quarterback controversy, it's a huge thing in what I do in media, right? Talking on the radio every day, talking on podcasts, it's huge. It gets clicked, get all those things. What about for a player in the locker room? Is it that big of a deal? How does it play out at the quarterback spot? Yeah, so, um, you know, as much as we obviously try to 
keep the noise outside the building, like outside the building. Um, naturally, that stuff just it works its way in, right? I mean, there's no getting around it. I mean, we're, we're college kids on the campus, right? We go to class, we hear conversations, we talk to people all the time. Um, so we know that, that it's definitely a thing. Um, and that said, right, I think Jack Campbell kind of summed it up really the best um, the other day after the game, right? Basically, like, they're going to be behind who's ever back there, right? No matter what, like it, like it doesn't really matter, you know, who they decide to, to, to choose, right? We know that as players, right? Like we have a job um, that we have to focus on, right? We can't focus on, you know, what guys in there, what they're doing, um, you know, if they're struggling, if they're not, right? Like basically, we're just trying to be good teammate teammates by first making sure that we're we're doing our jobs, right? Making sure that we're focusing on our game, um, our assignments, making sure that we're doing those things to the best of our ability. And then two, right, if a guy is struggling and we see them, you know, um, you know, down the dumps, you know, maybe losing a little bit of confidence that we're trying to pick them, we're trying to pick them, pick them up, right? And be like, hey, like, it's all right, man. Like, you know, next play, um, you know, next, next opportunity or whatever, right? Because if we start working, worrying about, you know, a bunch of that noise and we start worrying about, you know, who's in there versus who's not, like, then our play is going to start to suffer more. And then that's going to be another drain on the team. Um, and we know that everything, you know, calls football wise um, to be a great team, right? You got to rely on each other. It doesn't matter who's in there, right? You got to make sure that you're back in as much as possible. So, yeah, as a player, we definitely we hear the noise a bunch. Um, and we would never like outright go and just blame someone, throw someone under the bus, like if they're not playing well. That's just not, that's just not what, what we do as close football players. And it's definitely not how the culture is um, at Iowa. So honestly, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less, um, honestly, from coming from, you know, the guys, you know, in post-game interviews and things like that. Um, they're going to stick with who whoever they choose. And um, that's pretty much, pretty much that. So, um not not a lot of controversy like inside those walls i guess between between teammates it's one thing that you know between those walls that that i've always been so impressed with coach Ferentz about throughout the years and it feels like every time there's that back to the wall kind of spot right where iowa oh boy looks like the program's struggling 2020 after that tumultuous offseason an 0-2 start and they rip off six straight wins. Go back to the win against number three ranked Michigan. Uh, you know, with the uh, the Duncan kick, they lost the week before against Penn State. They looked brutal. The huge win against Ohio State. Uh, the, 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 I mean, that one of the greatest wins in Iowa history, fifty-two to twenty-four. The week before, they looked brutal. The offensive line looked as bad as it's ever looked. And and we can play the game for the last twenty-four years of Kirk Ferentz. It looks like there is no chance that they're going to figure it out. They always find a way to figure it out, and it goes to that part. LaShawn, with that, though, I do have one final thing. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about booing. What it's like, that perspective, from a fan. I've been the crowd. I was in the student section with one of the more famous booing incidents, Iowa, Michigan, in 1999. Yeah, LaShawn, I'm an old man. Back uh, by uh, my freshman year and, and seeing that. Actually, it was 98. And, and just how, how disappointing that was with the big change and hoping that Brad Banks was going to take over the reins and it was Kyle McCann and the booze that rained down. We'll get your perspective on that as we continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. All right, LaShawn, final thing, and it is what just mentioned going into the timeout, booing from the fans. They were out 
in full force. I know I mentioned to you, I've talked about it a lot this summer. I knew that it had a chance to be a very toxic environment inside the Kinnick if it was a bad start from Spencer Petras. I anticipated it. I knew enough people. I know enough season ticket holders. I knew what it was going to look like, and it might have even been a little bit worse than I anticipated. A, because I didn't think the quarterback play was going to be that bad and Iowa was going to sell as much as they did offensively but from a player perspective when you're hearing that you know running out the tunnel Kinnick's great you you know the excitement you know the fan base they love you but but there's also some expectations your perspective your takeaway when you hear that booing inside of Kinnick from Saturday yeah so for starters um it tells me hey I play for a passionate passionate fan base right like it's a team. It's, it's a bunch of fans. They want to see us be great. They want to see us, you know, win a lot of football games. And they want to see us play extremely well, right? That's one thing that you do get from that. Um, but also with that, like you, you, you hear it, and it can kind of be a little bit, a little bit frustrating because, like, obviously, everyone that goes out there, like, they're not trying to suck, right? Like, they have a bad game. Like, they're not going out there. Like, yeah, like I'm trying to be bad. I'm trying to be a bad football player, right? Like. Like no one's going out there. They're not doing that, right? Um, so it can be a little bit frustrating from that piece of it. But then you also remember, like, hey, like I am playing big time college football, right? At the end of the day, right? This is this is something that kind of comes with that that territory, right? There's going to be too many critics. There's going to be all these different things. Too many people talking about us, whether it's in the media, it's fans, <clears throat> all different stuff. And as a player, you're trying to manage that as much as possible. I mean. Heck, I mean, even when I was playing, I mean, heck, I would have a good game and people still want less of me. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, like it's something that that, you know, kind of comes with the territory of playing big time college football. And I feel like like it's not. I feel like the booing and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't necessarily directly kind of just pointed at Spencer. Right. Like, Obviously, right. like, yeah, like they're frustrated at Spencer, but they understand, like, hey, he's a college athlete. Right. He's not. The one, like, again, like I said, he's not going out there. He's not trying to suck, right? I feel like it's more something that's going, you know, towards the coaches and kind of their decision to continue to put them out there when, you know, the success just, just isn't there, right? I mean, so you you, you understand that. You, you get where that's coming from. And, yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating, but, you know, as a player, like, hey, I'm playing big-time college football. This is something that kind of comes with the territory. It sucks. But I know that, hey, if I start playing better, right, those boos turn to cheers pretty, pretty fast, right? So, um, again, I know, like, a bunch of the boos, they're not directed outright to, to Spencer, right? It's a bunch on the coaches, right, because, again, they're the one that's making those decisions to put put him out there. And, I mean, if at some point I feel like a change is going to have to be made, right, or it's just going to continue to – like those boos are just going to get louder and louder and it's really going to be deafening at some point where it's going to feel like we're like the away team. Right. I mean, like if Alabama and Nick Saban can make a quarterback change at halftime of a national championship game, like I, <laughs> there's no reason why, you know, it couldn't happen, you know, here at Iowa. Granted, obviously we don't have a Jalen Hurts or to a Tagovailoa, you know, back in the quarterback room. Um, but still like, there's gonna be there's gonna need to be some type of jolt, some type of energy, you know, from that quarterback spot. Or again, I feel like those blues are gonna to continue to get louder and louder, you know, especially, you know, this weekend. <laughs> well, you know, with the Cyhawk trophy, right? Where it's gonna be crazy, it's gonna be electric, right? We know it's a rivalry game. And, you know, 
go out there, we start struggling, like, it, it, you know, it's got potential to, to, to get ugly and even raises the potential of us even losing that football game. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with the booze. Like, I understand it. Um, it's very, very frustrating, though, as a player, but we get it like, hey, we're playing big-time calls football. This isn't, this isn't high school. We're not playing at, you know, max school, school, right? right? We're playing power five football in the Big Ten, you know, so something that comes with the territory. Well, with that, uh, it is, you're right, LaShawn, I, I think a chance to get very ugly if the quarterback play continues to struggle, if the offense as a whole continues to struggle, and we don't see a change, and I was down uh, 17-3 to Iowa State and staring at the loss for the first time since 2014 to the Cyclones. It's going to be ugly inside of Kinnick. Hey, with that, I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. How about this for your second listen? It's the ultimate pro football preview 2022, just a couple of days away from the kickoff of the NFL season. It's an eight-episode extravaganza that'll get you ready. Local team experts across the network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets, all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Just search ultimate pro football preview 2022 on your odyssey app youtube or wherever you get podcasts Lashawn, back at it on friday we'll talk to you then and we'll bring some positive vibes we'll also talk about the rivalry and uh, get into that but positivity we're gonna, we're gonna try to turn the page it's been a chance to a little a little bit of the anger out and we'll be back on, on friday we'll we'll be a little more positive on that how's that sound yeah, I think we could definitely use a change of pace for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. We'll make our picks. Still a couple more days. Be solo tomorrow. Thursday edition, my buddy Jace, he'll stop by. All here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for listening again. And make sure to click that click that subscribe button on YouTube, Locked On Hawkeyes. Back at it tomorrow. Thanks to everybody out watching. This has been the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast.